Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. <sighs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, we've got another episode of Outside the Actor's Studio. Paula takes a masterclass in acting from Betsy Brandt, acclaimed for her portrayal of Marie Schrader in Breaking Bad. Will Paula work from the inside out like Marlon Brando, or the outside in like Laurence Olivier, or from the outside out like Mo Larry and Curly? We'll find out. Plus, quotations. Our crew has brought in their favorite quotations. Bonnie Burns will deliver a nugget of distilled wisdom even, but don't quote me on that. I'm Adam Felbert, a man whose super objective every week is to find motivation for a conversational arc that builds to a rational scene ending. And now, please welcome the woman whose inner monologue is always on the outside. That'd be Paula Poundstone, everybody. Hey, you guys. So lovely to be here. And, and, And thanks to tonight's house band returning champion, Kevin Kelso. Hey, Kevin. Kevin. Kelso. We Sounds love, great. Love Kevin. I love you. You might remember um, Kevin has written one of our best entries in our theme song contest and also the ballad of Captain Culpepper. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Kevin. Kevin's a star. He's, He's a goddamn star. Man. Yeah. Um, so, what's yeah, new, Paula Poundstone? Um, well, you know, I wish I could tell you that I was out and about more, but I'm not. But I keep, uh, as I stare at my computer a lot, I keep seeing commercials for that show where they trace the person's roots. I'm not familiar with that yeah. show. Um, it's um, uh, Henry Louis Gates. Okay. I forget the name of it, but, you know, he takes uh, various well-known people. and I just see the ads for it. And in the ad, like, I guess after he does all this research on their genealogy, um, he gives them, like, a scrapbook kind of thing with all this information. And the ads always have them, like, you know, slapping their hands on their face and being like, oh, my God. Or, or they push back from the table and they're crying. Uh-huh. And they're like, I can't believe it. I knew there was something. And it's always th- that... 
they're so moved. It, it turns out that, you know, they're direct descendants of Harriet Tubman or, sure. or, or the guy at the very back of the Iwo Jima statue was their grandfather or they were <laughs> Mother Teresa's one slip up. Uh, why? Why is it? <laughs> That there's always in every single one of them, like no exception, there's always some historically significant story. I mean, what are the odds of that? Why isn't anybody ever related to thousands because of a UCLA student who put himself through school as a sperm donor? Why? Why? Why, why don't they just, why doesn't Henry Louis Gates say to one of them, you know, nobody in your life was remarkable in any way. <laughs> or the, the person flips through the book and they just go, this is so boring. And Henry <laughs> Louis Gates says, that's right. You come from a long line of milk toast. And that's, <laughs> that's- the end of the episode. What, what are the odds? Uh-huh. It doesn't it doesn't make any sense? It makes me think well, that like a like a reality TV show, like some of it's not real. Well, it's possible, but isn't it also possible that uh, they just don't show you the episodes where Henry Louis Gates, you know, just yawns and says, you know, your family tree is uninteresting? No, I don't think so. Now, you know, I'll tell you, I think <laughs> you know if people find somebody that they connect with and there's value to it. Oh my gosh. Fantastic. That's any, anytime that's, that's possible. That is just great. But I do think that there, this idea that because you have some, you know, genetic components that are shared, that you're necessarily going to find some great relationship there is absurd. I agree with you. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, remember, we're all descended from mitochondrial Eve. Yeah. There's, true. there's one lady that we're all descended from, and she, uh, boy, she was busy. Yeah, she's my aunt. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I've told you before that I have an Aunt Stormy, right? I know I've told you that. I have an Aunt Stormy. Yes. And uh, uh, she sued the shit out of Trump. No, it's not that. I do. I, I do have an Aunt Stormy, but it's not that Stormy. Different Stormy. Although I was so excited when I first heard there was a Stormy involved. I thought, oh, my gosh. It's my aunt. <laughs> my, oh, and it wasn't. Wow. No, no. It would have been such a great story, though. I would have been on that Henry Louis Gates show in a heartbeat. Well, your oh, aunt seems yeah, to Yeah, that would have been great. <laughs> yeah, your, your aunt seems to have um, <laughs> been with Donald Trump. <laughs> Yeah. Just after the Suit birth him. of Baron. Yeah, Henry Louis well, Gates. I I figure would have enjoyed that one. Yeah, I I uh, I bumped into him once at, a, at right beside a Dunkin' Donuts in the airport in Boston, and um, I'm pretty sure that he picked up a little bit of a donut that I had and got my DNA off of it. Oh, <laughs> so your doorbell could ring at any minute. Yes. <laughs> yeah, see, we could have a fascinating breakdown of my history. Yeah, Paul, not a thing here. Sorry. I bet you're descended from somebody fascinating, Paula. Yeah. Remember the lady that used to do the Paul Olive commercial and she was a manicurist? Madge. 
and they'd go like, yeah, Madge, like, uh, you know, you t- t- uh, palm olives go for your hands. You're soaking in it. No. Yeah. The lady who would, not Madge. I'm not related to her. I'm related to the lady who was soaking in it. <laughs> speaking, speaking of soaking in it, that's what whales do, isn't it? <laughs> that's what what? Good, that's what whales do, because it's time to move on to our mighty, mighty book club. Oh, wow. oh thank okay. you. That was a this, uh, That business? was really good segue, Adam. Thank really you. good. Yeah, it was. Uh, Adam, answer the phone. The phone? <laughs> Paula, I yeah, want to get to book Adam, club. Adam, answer the phone. No, oh, answer Jesus the phone. Christ. I don't want to. Adam, answer the phone. Hello? Hey, Adam, it's me. It's me, Mike Boom Boom Bonfit. Man, that was a fucking good segue. That was like, <laughs> she said you're soaking in it. Thank you, thank you Mike. Yeah, and I was just you're fucking brilliant. You know what I mean? You come up with shit like that all the time. You're soaking it, then your mind says, your mind takes it like that one step further, right? Right? You know what yeah. I mean, man? And yeah, I, I get it, Mike. Yourself, whales soak in it. Oh, man. Uh, yes. yes. Thank, you uh, yeah. for, thank you for explaining my, my joke to me, Mike, because I, was, I wasn't quite clear on what I was doing there. Yeah, well, it's uh, your brain, man. It has got some twists and turns, you know. But I love it that you guys are talking about. I love it that you guys are talking about Moby Dick. Get it? What? I said I love it that you guys are talking about Moby Dick. Get it? I I don't get it. That's the name of the book we're talking about, Mike. Yeah, like Moby Dick. Get it? You no, get I I, like I understand. Dick. I understand that Dick is a synonym for penis, but uh, that's. It's not a joke so much as an observation. What do you mean? Is it what? Never mind, Mike. Uh, so you were just calling to to compliment my my segue. Yeah, it was a fucking great segue, Adam. You know what? I bet I bet Paula Poundstone didn't even get it. I bet she didn't no. even get it. You know what? I, she, I don't know how what? you even work with that girl, man. She's a fucking bitch. Hey, 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 Mike, wait, no, 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 no. Mike, we don't talk about my partner, Paula Poundstone, like that. She's my friend. Hey, listen, man, you can pick them. All right, I got to go. I got to go. I got got stuff to do, man. I can't just hang out with you all day. That's crazy. Uh, That's crazy. All right, take care, man. It's good talking to you. Take care, Mike. Good talking to you. I love you, bro. Take care. It's good Uh, good talking to you. Okay. Hi, man. Jeez, that guy really loves you. Yeah, um, he sure does. Uh, Wait, he he interrupted yeah. uh, the, the the segue that he was complimenting. Yeah, well, listen, I'm so glad that we're moving to the book club because you guys, uh, as you know, I'm the treasurer of the book club. That's right. And I'd like to give a report. Uh, last week, we started off with no money. And okay. this week, <laughs> I am happy to report that we also have no money. Uh, right. And I had to pay a dollar twenty nine out of my own pocket to get the audio version of Moby Dick on my flat thing, so that'll have to be reimbursed. Uh, and I feel bad saying this, but our trip to New Bedford, which was complete with the mayor giving us the keys to the city, uh, has been canceled. Okay. Uh, Partly due to financing, and partly because the mayor is mad that Adam called it New Bedford, Connecticut. Oh, uh, so that that was a little prickly. Uh, I, I, but you I've know what, you guys. One of the things that error. yeah, look, once you piss off the mayor of New Bedford, you don't just move on. There has to be a period of healing. Um, so. Okay. <laughs> 
I, uh, I'm really glad, though, that I have this. Because you know what? What occurs to me now that I look at our books carefully in order to make the report is that we really need a fundraising mechanism. Um, and I'm going to I think I'm going to put uh, Captain Crinkle Bonnie Burns on that because I have to delegate because the duties of the office of treasurer are practically a full time job. So, uh, <laughs> Bonnie, whatever you can come up with, you know, okay. for a uh, fundraising I'll- mechanism. That'd be great. I'll take that rose. I'll take that rose. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. So Bonnie's going to be uh, okay, our book so that's club my fundraiser. That's, that, that, well, thank you. Uh, does anybody, Do any of the other officers of the club have anything new to report <laughs> before we get to discussing Moby Dick? <laughs> I, I have I something. I, I have something. Oh, unless oh, Paula. Boy. Paula no, has go something. ahead. Please. By all means. Well, we received um, a note on our... <laughs> Facebook page. Okay. Okay. You, and it's, you act surprised. And, Our Facebook no. page generates any, as many as as many as a hundred notes a week. No, yeah. no, no. I think, but this Bonnie was, just found out what the Facebook page is for. Go ahead, Bonnie. <laughs> no, I might use it for fundraising. So this was from somewhat of a celebrity. His name's William Benson. He lives in New York, and he was a contestant on Jeopardy. And here's what he wrote. Oh, Bill Benson. Yeah, sure. Uh, Jeopardy's Bill Benson. (laughs) I'm a little annoyed that you all have read so little of Moby Dick. I am on (laughs) Chapter 57, and I work 50 hours per week and have plenty of other things to do. I really haven't been reading much at a time, and I never would have started this book if not for it being chosen by your book club. I hope that efficiency <laughs> advice expert helped you all speed up. In the meantime, I'm going to switch to reading some of Obama's memoir. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. That's oh, Bill. Yeah. I don't remember Bill, Bill Benson Bill. being that angry in the past. Boy, he, uh, it's Bill, Bill Attitude Benson. Um, yeah, but you know, yeah, I remember okay. on his, uh, uh, he was a, th- I think a three day champion. And on his third day, he uncovered the daily double. And uh, Alex Trebek said, uh, <laughs> How much do you want to wager, Bill? And he said, Fuck you, Alex. Oh, I remember that. I remember yeah. that. That was unusual in that show. Yeah, you don't, you, you um, usually don't get that. All Alex was doing was asking how much he bet. Yeah. And Alex, the <laughs> nicest guy in the world. I, I we don't had him see on our why. show. He was a wonderful man. Oh, he was great. Um, so, uh, all right, Bill, you, you know what? I, of course, have finished uh, reading, well, listening to Moby Dick. Uh, <laughs> I have to confess, I listened to an abridged version. It started out, call me Ishmael, and then it said, uh, the end. Uh, wow. So it was... <laughs> that's, that's, that's quite abbreviated. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm joking. I didn't listen. I, I did, I got hooked on listening, and... Uh, you know, like a lot of kids get hooked on phonics, and I just right. kept listening, and uh, okay. and I did finish it. So, Bill, maybe your chastisement uh, <laughs> is intended for the others, Tony. Okay. Uh, well, I well, let, Bill. Let, let me. <laughs> you googled Bill. Tony. Tony. Tony googled to Bill. God, she's you're out of control, and. It's compulsive. I can't help it now. Okay, tell but, us about, you know. Tell us about Bill. <laughs> you know what? One of the things you can do, Tony, if you can't stop Googling, is put some of the that bad-tasting stuff on the side of your fingers. 
<laughs> yeah. Because everybody licks their fingers before they enter something into Google. All right, tell us about Bill. Because if, if nothing else, I want to send a clear message to our listeners that if, if you reach out and interact with us like we ask you to, we can and will drag you down. <laughs> Let that be a lesson. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Tony, do you have Bill's phone number? I'd like to put that out there. Do you have his home address? All right, now that you've doxed Bill, what do you have to tell us, Tony? Okay, so he's from Albany. He's a psychiatrist. He's a psychiatrist? And yet he's coming after us like that? Okay, so wait, psychiatrist is the medication prescribing one, right? Where psychologist is the one we... Well, they have the right... They have the right to prescribe medication. Yeah. That's right. But, Thank but you, they won't necessarily do it. You well, have to beg. It doesn't mean they do. And by the way, can I just insert one thing? I also Googled him, but I was trying to keep him a little bit anonymous oh. in case we weren't <laughs> supposed to give a lot of details about him to identify him, to specifically Sorry. identify him. But you guys just feel, go on. I'm you, pretty sure that Albany is uh, 518, uh, area code. Uh, yeah. So no, uh, I'm going to say it's 518. But he moved to New York. He, it is. He is from Albany. He is. What do you is mean he moved to Albany. New York? Albany is Excuse in New York. Me. Did you think that I was I think a- his mother was Don Benson, who worked as legal counsel for oh Phoebe Putney <laughs> Memorial Hospital. What are we doing? <laughs> What is this? You know, Tony, just, if you had read this much of Moby Dick, we wouldn't be in this situation. <laughs> um, all right, you know what? I'm going to turn the conversation to the novel that we are reading. Um, yes, let's so- go. And, and we agreed. We actually did something different this week because we had nothing to talk about last week because Paula was almost done and, and Tony was still reading the cover. Um, we decided Stop that this it. week we were we were going to discuss <laughs> I was <in> chapter chapters eight. <laughs> T- Tony was uh, coloring. Um, T- Tony got the the uh, oh Moby Dick coloring book, and she you was coloring. Like an idiot. <laughs> All right, but let, let let me just finish my sentence. What I what I was the saying was the only reason she stopped at page three is because she ran out of the color gray. okay so we agreed that we should all be discussing the same part of the book and this week it's chapters 12 through 16 so because this is your show paula poundstone what are your thoughts on chapters 12 through 16 Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress. And yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress. And I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally. And everybody just piles on it. And it it's comfy. And yet, when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique. 
and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions. Plus, enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress match in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress with my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux. And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. Hey, Paula. You know, every once in a while, we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of a midsummer night's dream okay and i played i played peter quince there there's the connection one of the mechanicals that's a great connection also yes has nothing to do with this which is that um quince is an online clothing store and as you know paula i've uh, i've lost a little weight lately oh right 75 pounds yeah so i literally have no clothes that are in my size until i just ordered some stuff at quince and i figured like here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself a whole new image. And how's it going? 
Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got the Comfort Stretch Traveler Five Pocket Pant. And I got oh. the um, oh, it's so. And I got the hundred percent European linen shirt, and it looks breezy, and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like you know thirty dollars a piece, or starting at thirty dollars at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger. Ooh, and you know I put them on when I came back from New York. I pulled them on, and I I swear to you, okay. This is not scientific because I was tired already. Right. But they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable. That honestly, like right as I got them up to my waist, I I, I think my eyes closed. They're so, co- it's a softness. It's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that too. Like so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And they're European. Keep that in mind. They're oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kinds. Of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, 14 karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. When sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. The spread of misinformation has fueled our cultural divide and increased our collective anxiety about the future. Tackling misinformation isn't a simple task, but it's important. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about Conspirituality, a podcast that's dismantling new age cults, wellness grifters, and conspiracy mad yogis. On the show, a journalist, a cult researcher, and a philosophical skeptic walk into a bar and the bartender says, no, 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 it's not that old joke. They dive deep into current events such as RFK Jr.'s involvement in mainstreaming dangerous anti-vax rhetoric. They crowdsource, research, analyze, and dream up answers to the problem with, get this, proven science as their ultimate guiding light. I highly recommend you check out Conspirituality's fascinating episodes on creating comedy in the MAGAverse with Jordan Klepper or RFK Jr. flirting with body fascism. And you've listened to a bunch of them at this point, Paul, I know, and you tell me you love it. I, I do. They're, they're fascinating. And my favorite part is they use, wait for it, proven 
Science, Science? and, and if, if there's any kids listening, that's a class we used to take, proven yep. science as their ultimate guiding light. I love that. From exploring cults to analyzing our cultural and political landscape, the Conspirituality Podcast will help you stay informed about misinformation and help you resist fear tactics. Find Conspirituality on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I noticed that when they went to Nantucket, um, (laughs) that they didn't mention the frozen yogurt place, which in my experience of Nantucket is a big deal. And also, um, this is something that I just intuited because of my experience with Nantucket, is I'm fairly certain that Herman Melville forgot to mention that Queequeg got a denim skirt with whales <laughs> embroidered on it. He just forgot to mention that. He just, <laughs> with all yeah. that was going on, with the boys getting ready for the trip, he forgot to mention that. I feel okay, like you know what I think I, yeah. is really weird in this book? Uh, I, I, you, so there's a scene where... Um, there's a scene where they are on a boat and uh, Queque gets into a, a tussle with, with uh, I, I don't know if it was a kid or just a, a, a young man uh, that yeah. is small that and makes fun of him. Yeah. Uh, mm. a, a guy that makes fun of him. And so Queque sort of picks him up and tosses him in the air. He doesn't hurt him. But apparently it looks very dangerous and everybody kind of comes down on him for it. And then yep. and then seconds later, he ends up rescuing that, that kid, the ship, the captain, and they all decide they like him after all. But when he first throws the kid in the air, the captain yells at him. He says, you know, you could have killed that kid. And uh, Kwekwe turns to Ishmael and he says, I don't understand what the guy said. And so Ishmael <laughs> says... You could have killed him. That's how they would translate for Kwekwe. Is if you just add an E sound to the word, all of a sudden he's like, oh, oh, Yui could have killed him. So I will say that it's not, um, it's not really a linguist's text. No, 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 it's not. Um, <laughs> I, I think that the effort was there was there to prove that like Ishmael's now such good friends with Queequeg uh, that he kind of speaks Queequeg sort of like pigeon English thing happening. And I want to say one more thing. There's people on Facebook that have already gone out and bought Good Omens. You Good Omens people, back up. We did not choose that book. We chose Moby Dick. Uh, <laughs> walk away. Walk away, Good Omens people. <laughs> I think well, you're just really fantastic <laughs> feeding book. into Tony Anita Hall's woo-woo shit, and we shouldn't do that. It's not healthy for her. I'm going to read How Good Omens. How is that the woo-woo and, shit? Uh, oh, right. Tony, Tony has, I hate to say it, in front of her, but she has a tendency. That's all I'm going to say. A tendency. She does. She has a tendency. She okay. leans towards the woo-woo, you know. But that, you know, but, but saging, that book most certainly saging does not. the house, eat, pray, fuck, good yeah. omens. You get <laughs> no, the but, idea. No, no, I, Paula, I have to take issue there because good omens is anything but woo-woo. It's not, in, it's not even in that realm. Well, Tony doesn't know that. Um, okay. 
Fair enough. Well, let's let's let Tony speak because um again, Tony, uh, chapters eight through twelve. That's from Queequeg's personal story of growing up on the island till they find their boat in Nantucket, the Pequod. Uh, what do you got for us? Um. So why does there have to be a whole fucking chapter about chowder? Oh yeah, yeah. There is the like, chapter before know, they find a boat. There are a lot of things that can be cut from this book. And yeah. the chowder chapter would have been one of them. Maybe. I would agree the with you. The chowder chapter the- was funny, though. It was a little light humor before we got into a man's obsession with a whale that ate his leg. Oh, interesting. It was, it was, it was comedic. You didn't get that? And by the way, well, when I- you say a whole chapter, some of these chapters are three pages, Tony. This one was <laughs> three pages. I'm like two and a half. <laughs> But it could have been two and a half less. I didn't think the chowder joke was that funny, to be fair, because because it's almost as this guy had, nev- had Ishmael had never heard of soup before, because the yeah. you know the, the woman who runs the establishment says you want clam or cod, and he says clam. I I can't make a whole dinner out of a single clam. What kind of dinner is that? Did you hear that, Queen Queen? <laughs> she wants to just have us have one clam for dinner. It's like. He, he'd already been told to go to this inn and eat the chowder there. And Queequeg said, I don't understand. And he said, clammy. She wants us to have <laughs> clammy. <laughs> yeah. And, and Queequeg was like, oh, clammy. Well, it's soup, you idiot. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, Tony, thanks for bringing that. Bonnie Burns over in the Simi Valley. <laughs> Bonnie, Bonnie yes. Burns could be parked anywhere for internet right now. Bonnie, where are you? <laughs> well, I'm sitting in my bedroom and I have a lot of windows in this bedroom and all the blinds are open and there's beautiful light flooding in. So it's very Ooh. happy feeling in here. Nice. Wow, that's like a whole Moby Dick chapter. Yeah, right there. <laughs> yeah, you can get so, two chapters out of that. Here's what I want to say. You know, we decided that it was going to be chapter, what, 12 to 16 or something? I thought it was That's 12 what it to was, 16. Right? Yeah. Yeah, 12 to 16. Yeah. 12 to 16, yeah. Okay. So I put it off and put it off, and it reminded me, you know, when my daughter was writing, there was a time when they were doing broadcasting it, and it was on the East Coast, so I wrote my family, and you had to get up early in order to see it. So I asked my little, my little brother texted me. He said... I got up at four in the morning. I tried to watch. I'd rather have toothpicks in my eyes. <laughs> and that's what I was feeling about having to go back and listen to this book again. But so today I finally sat down and started listening to it. And I got into it. And I just think it's really a great book. I love the relationship between Ishmael and Quig And I think, you know, anybody who says like the gay overtones, whatever, gay schmay, that is just such a great friendship. I, it really is. And um, I think Quig Quig is uh, just a really, you know, the depth of that character, the complexity of that character. And we're going to have Betsy Brand on. And one of the things I thought was so great about Breaking Bad was, you know, the facets of those characters. And I think Quig Quig has that. And the scene Paula was talking about with the greenhorn guy and, you know, the action about every everybody's over the around the boat, that action was so brought to life. I mean, Herman Melville is a terrific writer. 
Are there the chapters that you want to go through <laughs> and skip? Yeah, maybe there I didn't pay so much attention. But, you know, I was going to advocate, let's just stop reading Moby Dick and go on to like omens. A lot of people wanted omens. Yes. But I really feel, no, I really feel that it would oh. be so insulting to a guy who's a terrific writer that we can't do that. Well, don't well, worry about um, that because he is dead. Um, yeah, one, of the, one of the things, <laughs> one of the things, having, and the odds of him being a, a nobody listens to Paul Ponson listener is very slim to begin with. Um, in terms of their relationship, I don't want to be a spoiler, um, oh. but l- later in the book, um, Ishmael exactly gets Queequeg involved in a Ponzi scheme and their <laughs> relationship falls apart. Well, yeah, but but Quick Quick really thought he needed all that plasticware. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, Bonnie, that was that was a quick? sensitive and cogent analysis. Thank you very much for that. Oh, yeah. Well, well she's going back to school. <laughs> um, I don't have I don't have that much to say that that we haven't I, you know because I've been chiming in with all you guys, but I just think that the bit that we were reading ends with what is a kind of fantastic you know, foreshadowing and sort of a little comedy sketch. And I, I do love it that the guy, the Captain Peleg, who's, who owns the boat, is trying to tell Ishmael that everything's going to be great, right? But, you know, Ahab is fantastic even after the whale bit him off. But he keeps, he keeps backtracking in this way that feels almost like a, like a Monty Python sketch. He keeps backtracking and saying things like, I've got the quotes right here. Uh, Ishmael wants to meet Ahab. And, and, and Peleg says, Ah, but I don't think you'll be able to at present. I don't know exactly what's the matter with him, but he keeps close inside the house, a sort of sick, yet he don't look so. In fact, he ain't sick, but no, he ain't well either. Anyhow, young man, uh, he won't always see me, so I don't see how he'll see you. Uh, and then <laughs> Ishmael starts getting worried. And, and so a page later, Ishmael's like, Is this fair to go on? I mean, is this guy qualified to go to see with me? And Peleg goes... I, I, I know that he was never very jolly, and I, I know that on the passage home he was a little out of his mind for a spell, but it was the sharp shooting pains in his bleeding stump that brought that about, as anyone might see, I know too, that ever since he lost his leg, uh, leg last voyage by that accursed whale, he's been kind of moody, desperate moody and, and <laughs> savage sometimes, but and that will all pass off. <laughs> This is this sounds taken right out of Mike Pence's mouth. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, yeah, exactly. He's he's making so many excuses, but at the same time, listing this this horrible, like obvious madman that they're about to get on the boat with. And then Ishmael goes like, "Oh, all right, I'll get on." Sounds good to me. Uh, you know, yep. I don't think I'd even really noticed that. I mean, I read it. Well, I didn't write it. I listened to it, but I didn't really note it. I mean, yeah, I did think he said some dark, shadowy things about him, but I think because Ishmael was comfortable with it, so was I. <laughs> he does really lay it on really thick about how weird Ahab's been acting lately, and this is the first moment he's that Ishmael's meeting him. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. Oh, this was. And let, uh, speaking Just of good like, points, let's see what Ken Lezebnik has to say about Moby Dick. Oh, by um, the way, he, Ken was... Uh, Ken is where now? Where does he say he is? Brooklyn. <laughs> Brooklyn. Because um, I did get a report the other day uh, that he was spotted in Kansas City, Missouri. It's quite possible. So, 
All right. It's not my place well, to say. Here's Ken's latest take on the book. Uh, I'll just read it verbatim. I was struck by the theme of shared servitude. Ishmael asks, what of it if some old hunks of sea captain's orders me to get a broom and sweep down the decks? What does that indignity amount to? Wade, I mean, in the scales of the New Testament. Ishmael is telling us that we were all beholden to someone else, and he acknowledges our common humanity by pointing out that, quote, everybody is one way or other served in much the same way. So the universal thump is passed round, and all hands should rub each other's shoulder blades and be content. So I'm rubbing your shoulder blades from Brooklyn, nobodies. Love, Ken. Wait a minute. Isn't that in the first chapter? That's, yeah, once again, I'm almost certain that that's once again from the first chapter. I think Ken has a version of the book that just has, it's very thick, but it's the first chapter over and over again. Yeah, uh, although Occam's Razor tells that another explanation is that he just hasn't read past the first chapter. Well, that's a possibility. Most of of what he said was a quote from the first chapter. Yeah, he didn't even really analyze it much. much. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. All right. Doesn't Ken teach college? Yeah, he's head of Boy, the that's program. A, that's a problem yeah. right there. He um, <laughs> ap- apparently he's taking some of those college students' tricks and uh, yeah. and using them on us. You know what? I'd like to uh, uh, put on Ken's paper a see me. <laughs> All right, Ken, Ken Lezebnik, if you're listening, and I'm fairly sure you're not, uh, see Paula. Yeah, do oh do. <laughs> All right. Uh, And speaking of Paula, Paula, do you have a word for us this week? Oh, my gosh. I do have a word, Adam. It's obstreperous. It's an adjective that means noisy and difficult to control. Here, I'll use it in a sentence. My dog, Mo, is an uncharacteristically obstreperous golden retriever. I'm going to put this right into the vocabulary song. Hold on just a second. I got to get my I got to get my Glock. And I don't mean that in the seditionist way. Um, <laughs> well, the way you play. Ooh. Oh, yeah, baby. This week's word is obstreperous. It's an adjective that means noisy and difficult to control. Can't get her to stop barking at people when they stroll. Last week's word was evanescent. It's an adjective that means, um, I had it a minute ago. I can almost see it. Smells like heaven. No, that's not it. Oh, quickly fading from sight, memory, or existence, like crews reflecting on the time they tried to kill Pence. The week before that, the word was rictus. It's a noun that means a fixed grimace or grin. I'm happy for the best actress, even though I didn't win. Going back before that, we had decoction. It's a noun that means the action or process of extracting the essence of something. He's really just a mouth that won't stop lying. And not long ago, we had inscrutable. It's an adjective that means impossible to understand or interpret. Lindsey Graham says stupid shit that I just don't get. Let's never forget Gallimaufry, which I pronounced wrong until nobody James Harder corrected me. It's a noun that means confused jumbler medley of things. Hodgepodge, who's podge, hodgepodge. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable, 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 but I do, I do. I do, I do. Woo, 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 woo. 
There it is, baby. <laughs> wow, that one word gets quite a workout. Obstreperous. <laughs> wow. Who's out barking in the backyard now? That obstreperous damn dog. She's obstreperous, yeah. Coming up, Oscar yeah. Wilde said, I love acting. It is so much more real than life. We'll watch Paula get real with actress Betsy Brandt. That's next on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. listener, it's Zach Harper, Amin Hassan, and Anthony Mays of Cinephobe. You may be asking yourself, what is Cinephobe? Amin, would you like to fill in the people? Cinephobe is the podcast where Zach and I watch movies that are poorly rated on Rotten Tomatoes and try to ascertain... I'll try to well. ascertain? Yes. Okay. Ascertain. Whether or not they're accurately poorly rated, or maybe they didn't get a fair shake. Cinephobe, produced by this guy, Anthony Mays. Hey, that's me. I produced this show. I also watched the movies, even though that wasn't included in the description, and I also ascertain. <laughs> This month is... Wow! Oh, oh, Maze, why do you say that? Supercharge it. <laughs> so that this promo can remain evergreen. I feel like explaining a little bit more. In 60 seconds? I don't know. Maybe I don't bring attention to it. Assuring people like, look, if you listen, you're going to get it. Just give it, give it time. That's a good promo. Just listen to it. Give it time. You'll figure it out. Is this the promo right now? Isn't it? Okay, I think we got it. Cinefo. Wherever you get podcasts. <laughs> Jesus fucks. Get ready for the miracle of Mega, a comedy podcast from the staff of a fictional mega church. And, and not only does he fuck, but he's the best at it. I'm Holly Loren. And I'm Greg Hess. Our characters, Holly and Gray, welcome a new guest each week, played by some of the biggest names in comedy and podcasting. Like Scott Ackerman, Lauren Lapkus, Paul Shear, Jason Manzukis, Cecily Strong, and Duncan Trussell. I just love to think about that the light shining down on all those corpses in the water and Noah just going by and maybe maybe a mom being like, please, we're running out of energy. Can you please let us on the boat? It's completely improvised, and it's devilishly funny. Is there any question you have for us about, you know, what it means to live a life in Christ? I guess, how much do you think is bullshit? There's a new episode every Sunday. Listen and subscribe to Mega, wherever you get your podcasts. Best I ever had. Best I Y'all can do it. Y'all can do it. Y'all sing along. We, you know what I'm saying? Here it go. Jesus, you the best. Jesus, you're the best. You to be the best. Jesus, you're Jesus, the best. You the be okay, best never mind. Best I ever had. Best wow. I ever had. detective came and knocked on the door and I said is it Renee and he just gave me that solemn look it was the worst day ever the proof podcast is back with a new case and a new season 23 years ago 18 year old Renee Ramos went missing her body was later found in an empty Home Depot building on the edge of town I don't think that they arrested the right people it's about time somebody's trying to do something she had a black eye about two weeks before she was murdered. They are involved. They definitely had her body and her backpack. You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course. They're judging me now. They've been judging me damn near my whole life. You can listen now to season two of Proof, wherever you get your podcasts. And follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse. I have to ask, did you kill Renee? day in unremarkable history, Babe Ruth said, I won't even eat bunt cake. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you, house band Kevin Kelso. Now, Paula Poundstone, you still with me here? I am. You are always trying to improve your craft as an actor. Mostly, Don't I'm deny always. It. Yeah. I'm that and dusting. I do both of those things. And sifting. You sift a lot of cat litter. I sift a tremendous amount. But while I'm sifting, I do monologues. Okay, so every now and then we're privileged to have a master actor come and coach you in a segment that we like to call Outside the Actor's Studio. And today, oh boy, get ready, Paula Poundstone, brace yourself. We are fortunate to have with us tonight an actor who was just nominated for a Critics' Choice Award for her supporting performance in the AMC series Soulmates. She earned her MFA at Harvard's Institute for Advanced Theater Training and has appeared on stage in many productions. She played Heather Hughes in the comedy Life in Pieces, and as Paula, as you know so well, and you're going to have to tell her all about this, she created the role of Marie Schrader in Breaking Bad. Please welcome Betsy Brandt. Yay! I sound so busy. I sound so busy. Wouldn't it have been great if I just found out now that I was nominated for a Critics' Choice? Yes. Oh, my gosh. That would have been great. Oh, but, I, I, but I already knew. But I you knew. knew? Oh, damn it. We were hoping. I, I, I could have feigned that I, you know, not knowing, I could have feigned surprise. Um, I also, I want to be clear, we were speaking about school earlier. I did not finish at Harvard. I you didn't did even make it through the first year, but I oh. felt like I worked my ass off. And so I, I'm, I still keep it on my, not that I finished, but that I trained for whatever amount of time I did that I trained there. Well, that was well, a you weird know, Betsy, school I anyway, right? Say it, but that's going to bring this interview to a screeching halt. <laughs> <laughs> because everything we were going to talk about today was your Harvard training. So now we are fucked. Um, yeah. All right. Let, let, okay. I, I did teach me how to. Um, they, I did. I did drink a fair amount of vodka with those professors. More vodka than I drank with any other professors. I have to say. Really, I yes. had no idea that was well, part of the Harvard. Tr- my wife worked oh. in the box office there. Oh, at, at the at the at theater. The ART. At ART. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh that's Absolutely. great. Oh, it's such a great theater. Yeah. Apparently, apparently you not weren't much in of it. A grad <laughs> no, I didn't make it. I I, I, I got, I got a job, and I was like, I'm out. Oh, and great. then I and then I started at UCLA. And I said, take two. Then I was like, okay, I went to UCLA to start my MFA there. I did not even make it a week. I got another job. And then I was like, can I get my parking money back? And then, thought, and then I thought, and then I thought, I'm going to, like, the universe is telling me something. And because I had a plan, my plan was I would get an MFA and I would, you know, do theater. And, and hopefully I, I also like to teach. Uh, which thank you for having me on today to coach. Oh um, yeah, good. I like to teach, and I thought I would love to teach in college, and that was my plan. And then life said, "No, you're going to do these plays and TV shows and stuff." Life told you that. Life wow. told you that. Now, Betsy, I want to set the stage here a little bit because uh, longtime listeners of our show are listening right now, and they're. There's a shiver of anticipation, because you might not be aware of this, but Paula Poundstone has a little bit of a, I'm going to call it a Breaking Bad problem. Okay. It's a Jones. It's it's a Jones. (laughs) Um, Go ahead, Paula. All right. As as Adam's right, our listeners know, because I've said it before. um, (laughs) Constantly. First of all, I don't watch television um, for a couple of reasons, not the least of which is there's just so many goddamn remote things. I don't know how to turn it on. So 
I have Breaking Bad on DVD. And first of all, I just watched it straight through the way one would. I watched a, you know, a disc and then the next disc and the next. But that was probably two years, three, no, three years ago now I did that. So for the last three years, since I watched it all the way through the first time, I have it on DVD. I have a portable DVD player that is beside uh, where I sleep. And uh, I put a disc on every night and I fall asleep watching it. And then when it's, and then it, because and then I wake so up. Relaxed. Exactly. And then I wake up and I push the button again. And so it plays all night long. I leave a disc in for about a month before I switch to the next disc. And a few. You should have done I, a scene from Breaking Bad because you clearly, you know it. I, I was like that with the West Wing. Just so you know. Oh, See, yeah. I've never seen The West Wing. There's, oh, my God. When I get hooked on a show, that's all I see. So I don't know, like most shows, um, just this I know. Is this an intervention? I, Am I doing an intervention? I, I'm totally in. <laughs> I didn't know. Yes. Tell, her it's, tell her it's fake. <laughs> it's, I prefer the word pretend. <laughs> oh, my God. It's pretend. It's, and it's, it, it's it's over, you know. It's, it's over. So, it, it's I never mean, it over. It's on in our minds, but yeah, it, it's, no, it's not over because I have it on DVD, so it'll never be over. Right. Uh, so right. nothing, nothing is perfect, of course. But I would say that Breaking Bad is as near perfect um, as as it gets in terms of uh, you know television uh, performances, everything about it. I love. So here's my question for you, Betsy Brandt. How did you become a part of it? What school did they rip you out of? <laughs> I know, because that's how I get jobs, is I, I, I enroll in grad school. Yeah, um, you, you were going to UC Santa Monica, convinced was, yeah. that that's, yeah. That was my journey. That was my journey. Um, I, it was pilot season. I think it was the first pilot I read for that season. Um, and I read that script and I thought, oh, holy shit, this is good. I hope they actually make it because I, yeah, I don't read scripts like that. I mean, it was such a, a you know, a, a, an out there concept in a fantastic yeah. way, but it was so great. And I went in and I, I went in for Marie, um, for the role of Marie and I met Melissa Bernstein, who is and you know a producer on the show um karen moore who was who was a producer the first two seasons and then vince gilligan was in that room and i think every actor should have the opportunity to audition for vince gilligan because he is just wonderful and generous and lovely in every way and he's wonderful in the audition room yeah, like he was just, uh, and I met Dean Norris in the waiting room before I went in, and we were chatting about, like, I know this is an hour, but I think it's funny. Don't you think it's funny? And he was like, yeah, I think it's funny. And I was like, okay, great, because I'm going in like this is a comedy. He's like, oh, yeah, me too, me too, me too. And I think we kind of encouraged each other in that way, and I recognized Dean, but I couldn't, you know, I was like, where do I know him from? It, But I knew I liked him. I knew I, knew I liked his work, and... He was just like, 
it was just easy with him right away. I felt like I'd known him for years and, and I, I think vice versa. Um, but Vince was just so great. And he, he made me feel so comfortable in that room. And I, we tried a lot of stuff and, you know, he ended up having me that day. I, I think it was that day. I also, he had me, he's like, have a read Skylar. And I was like, okay. So I read Skylar, but you know, uh, and then he, there was another character at the time, Linda, um, who was, a, you know, I think they thought it was going to be a series regular. And so I read her too. And then he brought me back for Marie. And that's the role I ended up testing for. And that's the role I got. You know what? You could have done Skylar great, but so much comedy would have been lost without you, well, and you know as what? Marie. It's just like, it wasn't my job. That wasn't my role. Like, I thought Skylar was a great role. And I think, you know, it would have been different. She would have been a totally different character in some ways if I I played it. Because Anna and I are different. We bring different things to the table. And and I think they would have ended up writing her differently if I played her. You know, I mean, that's the other thing that I think is so great about that show is that you know, it's not like they don't go in with a plan, but, you know, you kind of got to let the show be the show. And and that's how it's great. You know, if okay. you're a little... I just, I want to tell you one thing about the idea of reading for Vince. Yeah. You said you hope, you wish every actress had the chance uh, to read for Vince. And that's a beautiful world picture that you paint, but not every actress is going to get a job. So basically then a lot of actresses would get rejected by Vince. And I don't yeah. think that's probably as much fun as you're thinking. Yeah. You know, I've, uh, I've gotten jobs and I've also gotten rejected. I prefer jobs or yeah. offers. <laughs> like <laughs> I've tried both. Radical. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I always say like, you just like, you want a ticket to the lottery, you know, and then yeah. you see if you get it, but I, I just felt like he, you know, that was that was my show. I would have played any role, you know. Well, it's Paula's show too. Sometimes, tell me how they. Uh, t- all right. Sometimes in the middle of the night, when I wake up and I push the button, mm-hmm. I accidentally push the wrong button, and so I've seen. It sounds scenes. like you're you're imploding the world with like nuclear devices. Sometimes, <laughs> no, not that. Not that. I button. God, she's not button. president. Her her policies would be great, but we'd all be dead. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, not that button. Um, I when I push the button to play, I have before accidentally pushed the wrong button and seen scenes, just briefly because I get off them right away that aren't in the series. So you guys made scenes that weren't that got cut or oh yeah for sure sure w- w- why time. <laughs> But did they move this? Did they move the story in a different direction? Uh, is there no. stuff? Uh, is no, it just no. stuff that we then imagine sort of happened, or that so you Paula, as actors? You've, Paula, you've watched this thing like like a hundred and fifty times, and you've never watched the deleted scene. I, that does no. surprise me. No, I don't believe in it, and I won't watch special. What do you call it? Special? What do they call that? Where they talk about? It? Yeah, I won't do that. Well, okay. I, ju- I just it farts it <laughs> up. I don't want to. I, I, it is. It's beneath me. Okay, I'm so, a purist. so Betsy, we, I'm a purist. Betsy, we've asked you here to describe um, 
to describe the deleted scenes to Paul. <laughs> no, no. The reason I don't have I'm, sides no, for kidding. that. Do I have sides for those scenes? No. The reason I bring up the deleted scenes is because I want to know what the process was. Like, um, how much you knew about the story ahead of time. Was there, was there just the pilot episode um, that you knew about? Did Vince know where it ended? Uh, like that. Uh, well, in the beginning... Vince said he wouldn't go more than three seasons. Lion sack of shit. And <laughs> I, like he, he didn't, what he never wanted was, you know, he's like, there's the, you know, well, it, it, it is, yes, he's our main character. There's not going to be a miracle cure. Like he's on his way out. He's, he's, the prognosis is not good. Um, you know, he had some ups and downs, but he's like, there's not going to be any sort of like Hollywood. Oh my God. He, he tried this, you know, experimental treatment and, oh, but wouldn't you know, it's amazing. And now we can go nine seasons. You know, he never wanted to do that. And he always said he wanted to leave the party early. Um, I think part of it though, is just, you know, like I said, he just, he would, you know, he likes to paint himself into a corner when he writes and have to figure a way out of it. So I think he and that group of writers, that room of writers was just phenomenal. I mean, they still are. I, 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 I love them and their talent. And I think that, um, you know, Vince surprised himself. And that was really amazing to be a part of. The, well, I'll tell you something. Part of the reason I won't read for Vince is that? Oh, I didn't know you were. It's a pass. I didn't know. Yeah, no, I just won't do it because <laughs> the just guy absolutely won't do it because the okay. guy lies about how many seasons he's gonna have, and uh, and I your just, time so, is valuable, Paula Poundstone. Yeah, it's, you know what? It's his loss. That's my yeah. feeling. Yeah, his loss. I think, yes, I don't even know if if he would feel um, qualified to ask. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get to that in a minute. I mean, I mean, in, in a little while, we're gonna unleash the mighty Poundstone acting machine on you. So uh, okay, you'll, great. you'll see, you'll see what that's like in just a few okay. minutes. Um, <laughs> all right, Michael Chekhov wrote, "An actor has to burn inside with outer ease." Stay tuned to find out if Paula can find a balance between burning and ease. The Cat of the Week is O'Malley from Idaho Falls, Idaho. back with Outside the Actors Studio with Betsy Brandt. Um, Paula, as we always do, we're going to have you and Betsy read a scene, and Betsy will coach your performance. And um, here are the characters you'll be playing. Are you guys ready to receive? Yeah. Uh, I will receive. Okay. Yes. Uh, starting with Betsy. <laughs> Betsy, you I have a, I have a note already, though. All right. Yes. What's that? Well, if this is a scene for Paula, it's it's really heavy for my character. I would Okay, but yeah. here's the thing, Betsy. I don't read for big parts. <laughs> mm. Mm. So this is more of a chemistry read situation. Like the other actors are already cast and they're 
Yes, exactly. You. Right. Okay. I need a little flavor. All right, okay. Betsy, you're, you're going to betray, uh, betray. You're going to portray junior officer Madeline Riptide, who yeah. changed her last name legally from Jones to Riptide two years ago. She's fresh out of the police academy in Fresno. <laughs> she is a very fit, perky woman child. She craves respect, but even she is not sure for what. On the Can other I hand, add to that? <clears throat> her, yes. Good yes. Friends, her friends call her Rip. You've done some work on this character. Yeah. Good for you. Paula, did you hear that? I did. I was very impressed. Betsy did some work on her character. She knows what her friends call her. Okay. Paula Poundstone, you are the long-suffering senior officer, Janet Cutler. (laughs) Paula, what what do Janet's friends call her? Janet doesn't have a lot of friends. She's just a cop. Uh, She's a cop. (laughs) She's a cop. She's she's been a cop. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for coming in. She has been, thank you. <laughs> all right. uh, really, I hope Janet the traffic Cutler isn't bad been... on the way home. All right. All right. I, 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 so I, close okay. to being good. Okay. Let me, let me read the description. Janet Cutler has been a cop in Los Angeles for so long, she remembers little else about her life. She has an eggplant shape and is a bit doughy. <laughs> Our scene begins with the shotgun seat door open. Madeline Riptide leans down to talk to Janet Cutler, seated in the driver's seat of a black and white police car. At police headquarters and lethal weapon, Mel Gibson accidentally knocks Danny Glover down before they meet. Danny Glover spills all of his papers, and then it turns out Mel Gibson is Danny Glover's new partner. <laughs> I'm glad we don't have to go through that. Hi, I'm your, your new junior officer, Madeline Riptide. Right place. Have a seat. Madeline drops into the seat, and Janet extends a hand. Senior Officer Cutlet. Oh, sorry. Betsy holds some. <laughs> Senior, ahead, offi- Senior Officer Cutler. Betsy holds some paperwork in one hand and a Starbucks latte in the other. Cup holder? Cup, cup holder. Janet retracts her hand and just stares at her new junior officer. Madeline finally settles and notices the stare. Okay, I know a 40-year-old rookie, but the Academy took a chance on me. And guess what? I was top of my class. I can do 100 push-ups in two minutes. This work is my calling. I know that now. just took me a while to find myself. And where were you? Under the couch? (laughs) No. I mean, you know, how one day you just realize... You don't have to do everything your parents say. It's kind of scary when you realize that it's your life. You want to have a messy room? You have a messy room. You want to put up a Billy Idol poster? You put up a Billy Idol poster. I remember that day. It was about two years ago. It just hit me straight between the eyes. Do you remember when it was for you? I don't. No. Janet starts the car and pulls out a lot to begin their patrol. I really want to shoot somebody. What? I'm just being honest. I do. I want to shoot somebody. I mean, I want to do it legally. You know, I, I hate when people say to be honest and then they say what they're going to say. I mean, I expect people to be honest. You don't get points for that. That's one thing I can promise you. For me, you'll get honesty. How long have you been on the force? 30 years. Huh. What made you want to join? Stubborn hip fat. What do you mean? I thought the rigors of police training would help me lose my stubborn hip fat. I'm not a self-motivator. Did you? And then you gained it back again? To be honest, 
No. <laughs> I guess we're going to be like, we're like Cagney and Lacey, except one of them had big front teeth and the other one had a stalker, and I am not going to put up with that shit. Sharon Gless had a stalker. She's an actress. I think you're in the clear. Where'd you hear that? The car rounds a corner and there's what looks to be a homeless man with mental health problems screaming about Jesus and blocking traffic in the intersection. Janet pulls over into the adjacent 7-Eleven parking lot. That's a 21955. You want me to handle this? Sure. We see from Janet's POV, Madeline engages in a shouting match with the alleged jaywalker. Just as she sees Madeline reach for her handcuffs, Janet exits the car and walks towards her junior partner and the alleged jaywalker. Excuse me. You've got a cute way of talking. You got the better of me. Just snap your fingers and I'm walking. I'm on my way for a donut, Homer Simpson. You want a donut? Then move over here to the dance floor. And you, super cop, come with me. Now I got that song in my head. Janet and Madeline step into the 7-Eleven and come out with three donuts and a Slurpee. Because I'm the one with the big front teeth. I told you I don't want a donut. Didn't you hear him shouting that I had nice bazoombas? He gets a donut for that? Well, if you're not going to eat your donut, he gets two. One for each. As they approach the alleged jaywalker, Janet hands him the bag of donuts and a Slurpee. How am I going to get that fucking song out of my head? Here's how you're going to get that song out of your head. Find a place to sit, a nice place, like on that patch of grass. Take a breath in and let it out slowly. Then have a bite of donut. Then do it again, slowly. That's the key, slowly. Take care of yourself. Come on. Wait, wait, how did that get in there? Wait. Uh, 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 nice hips. Thanks. And scene. Wow, right. that is Sorry. a Sorry, I, I was thrown by, I was thrown by a little, uh, I, I think Ken, uh, it's, uh, I don't think I ever had written, come on, let's walk back to the car. That threw me. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay, um, I see. I think, uh, I, I think I wrote, they walk back to the car. Okay, well, well, that's probably the only flaw in your acting technique. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, oh, and let's, no, no let's, question. Let's move forward with this. So um, what I would like to do now is facilitate this acting workshop process. Um, and uh, Betsy, could, what notes, and, and, and be honest, would you have for Paula on her performance here? Betsy, how close was it to being good? <laughs> it was like right there. It was like, was it? you're as good, and you're like right over here, good there. <laughs> and you're like, I can see the good from here, 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 here. Well, um, what should I do? You were fantastic. You were fantastic. So I think, um, I think you need to slow it down. Oh, okay. I think you need to slow it down. I want to see what that feels like. And, and maybe that's not the way we, we keep it, but I want to... I want you to slow it down and see if we learn anything from that in some oh, in some places. Good. I feel like we, we might find things that land a little more. We might find some jokes that we didn't know were in there, even if we wrote it. Mm-hmm. So you're um, saying just because she's a hard-bitten cop doesn't mean she has to bark out all the words. Yeah. 
I don't know if that is what she was saying. No, 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 no. It's a, like a, just more, more. I think just, just slow it down. More listening. More, more taking in the rookie. Like, okay. Yeah. It's a more. Right, it's just a little, a little more of a setup for her, which is going to help you. Okay. That's great. And Paula, do you have any notes for for Betsy? No. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah but no, Betsy, that was really fantastic. Okay, so let's let's uh, take My it from best the top work. Again. So, Paula, you're going to slow this down, right? I'm slowing it down. Start. We, can we start from? Uh, I know a 40 year old rookie. Yeah. Okay. And and Vince, sit down and shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I know a 40 year old rookie. Oh yeah. Oh my God. And, and by the way, Betsy, you are really good in that. In that this moment. is typecasting. It's so good. <laughs> I was um, meant okay, to ready? be a cop. All right, Wait, here we go. Hang on, hang on. Oh yeah. Okay. All right, you ready? Janet retracts her hand and just stares at her new junior officer. Madeline finally settles and notices the stare. I know. I know. A 40-year-old rookie, but the Academy took a chance on me. And guess what? I was the top of my class. I can do 100 push-ups in two minutes. This work is my calling. I know that. Just took me a while to find myself. And where were you? Under the couch? No, I mean, you know, how one day you just realize you don't have to do everything your parents say. It's kind of scary when you realize that it's your life. You want to have a messy room? You have a messy room. You want to put up a Billy Idol poster? You put up a Billy Idol poster. I remember that day. It was about two years ago and hit me straight between the eyes. You remember when it was for you? I don't. No. Janet starts the car and pulls out a lot to begin their patrol. I really want to shoot somebody. (laughs) (laughs) What? I'm just being honest. I do. I want to shoot somebody. I want to do it legally. God, I hate it when people say to be honest and then they say whatever they're going to say. I mean, I expect people to be honest. You don't get points for that. That's one thing I can promise you. For me, you'll get honesty. How long have you been on the force? 30 years. Oh. What made you want to join? Stubborn hip fat. <laughs> <laughs> What do you mean? I thought the rigors of police training would help me lose my stubborn hip fat. I'm not a self-motivator. Did you? And then you gained it back again. (laughs) (laughs) To be honest, no. I guess we're going to be like, were like Cagney and Lacey. Well, except one of them had big front teeth and the other one had a stalker, which I I am not going to put up with that shit. Sharon Glass had a stalker. She's an actress. I think you're in the clear. Where'd you hear that? Should we continue? No, we can stop. I'm good. That's fantastic. 
Oh, you, you know what? You know what I noticed there? And oh, my God. In addition to being a fantastic actor, uh, Betsy, your coaching was was really great. I mean, Paula, you are slowly becoming, uh, to, to borrow from Breaking Bad, you are slowly becoming Mike in this scene. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I, I, you know, I have to confess that as I was writing it, I did, you know, keep in mind, for eight or nine hours a night, I listened to Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah. And there may have oh been. Oh, my Lord. I'm, I'm actually right now on a disc that's heavily Mike. I may that's have been somewhat be. Mike-influenced in my writing. I confess. Uh, Betsy, you were really. I, you know what? I had that a, was I fantastic. Had a, uh, I had a brief glimmer, a, a, a little glow of pride uh, in my writing at how uh, at how cool you read uh Especially, um, I really want to shoot somebody. Uh. <laughs> it's good. Listen, if if you don't get this role, I feel like I am just worthless as a coach. I yeah, tell you also, my, she wrote it. I know. I she should if, really if, get it. If I, know. I don't. If I don't get this role, I'm just. Uh, and I'm. I'm not trying to threaten the universe, but I'm fucking going back to Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> finish what you started finish yeah, what you started yeah, gotta get that Absolutely. application out that's finish where you started i, the, I don't think I they even but you know what i don't think they even have that program anymore yeah you know what they're lost that's my feeling right. that's right. right do they even have that ticket booth where where genie uh simpson worked at the art they 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 do in fact Oh no, that's there. That's still <laughs> yeah. there. That's yeah. still there. But they I don't think they have the um the Moscow I don't know if the Moscow Art School is is there anymore. I don't think they they do a masters in that program. It was anymore. called the Moscow Art School? Yeah, it's a it, it was um teachers company members from the Moscow Art Theater. Oh for God's wow. sakes. Yeah. They it's were just a, over- I, I just like when I, you know, in undergrad, when I started doing Chekhov, this sounds so douchey to be like, when I started doing Chekhov, it changed. <laughs> it just like changed the way I looked at what I did. Like it was those characters and that writing and just, it was amazing. Amazing. I don't think I've ever really understood Chekhov. I read it so that I could say oh. that I had, but I don't think I, I don't think I really understood it. But let me just tell you something, Betsy. I've been reading Bobby Dick. And uh, this really made me so much smarter than the average You, you are way smarter than you used to be. Oh, my God. I'm, a lot of people haven't even read Dick. And I... <laughs> and you, Paula Poundstone, you you've read it. Dick. Oh, yeah. you, know, you know, Melville just speaks to me. A lot of people don't get the chowder joke, but I get the chowder joke. <laughs> Wait, do you want to know more? So, and... Chekhov was a doctor before he was a playwright. I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. Doesn't that make, that made me feel a little lazy. I mean, not <laughs> enough that I would do anything about it, but I always, I loved that his mind worked, it, it, you know, in such different ways. Okay. I'm not trying to one up anybody, certainly not Chekhov, but this isn't the only thing I've ever done. I used to bust tables uh, <laughs> at the Copley Plaza. In uh, in Boston, and mm-hmm. I one time bust Joan Armatrading's table there. Take that, Chekhov. Wow, check and mate, Chekhov. Yeah, exactly. Wh- whose table? Joan Armatrading. She's a musician. Oh. She's a terrific musician. 
I'm sorry, but I <laughs> don't okay. know. Uh, that's because no you've been so busy with school and acting. Um, <laughs> all right. Okay, wait. I, I I'm going to help I, out. Yeah, all right. What? You know, okay. I, I don't want to keep you forever because I'll feel guilty. But that's what I, I'm trying to do is not keep her forever. But go ahead. All right. I did, since I have you here, um, and there's not a goddamn thing you can do about it, I w- oh um, do you have a favorite uh, scene from Breaking oh, yeah. Bad? Yeah. Not from Chekhov, from Breaking Bad. Um, uh, yeah, guess. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, we'll be no, here I'll all wait. night. I'll wait. Okay, guess. I'll t- no, all right, wait. Don't I'll tell wait. You, I'll tell you what my favorite scene is. And it's really hard to say because, honest to God, I just love you. But um, the when you've stolen the spoon and oh. the lady chases after you, when the, oh, the when the bag falls and all this shit, yes, you call her fatty, and then all I this call her shit, fatty, and then you, tell her she's gonna get it. Right, exactly. You are in so much trouble when all the stuff falls yeah. out of your bag. Oh yeah. my god, that was great. Was that yeah. all written? Do you improvise at all in that? Um, I, I'm sure fatty was in there. I I called her fatty <laughs> twice in one day. <laughs> That actor was great, Jennifer. Um, but I, I had to, Sorry. I had to go tell her um, before we shot that scene. I was like, um, I'm gonna just like do it, and it's so sorry. Like I have to say that so that I don't feel guilty. That's fantastic. Saying it, and then um, it was a great. I loved that episode. Oh, my God. All right. I'm going to perform an act of mercy here and extricate Betsy from her new stalker. Um, oh, man. <laughs> Paula, I have to tell you, you are so incredibly sweet and wonderful. And thank you for having me on. And I, I really keep me posted. I hope you get a callback for this job. because Oh, I, think I hope I do, too. I hope so, too. I She's think the executive producer, too, it. so she should really twist some arms here. Betsy, yeah. sometimes when you get a job, they let you bring your acting coach. So I'm hoping yeah. you're you're not going to be in school at that time. No, I I always drop out of school for a job. Oh it's right, like, that's my, my mistake. Pattern. Absolutely. As long um, as I get my parking money back, I will drop out. Getting money. my parking money back was a, a like ridiculously big thing for me at UCLA. Absolutely, it was, it's yeah, not cheap. I would think. Uh, she was just well, nominated for a Critics' Choice Award for her supporting performance in the AMC series Soulmates. Betsy Brandt, I'm I'm springing you from this. Thank you for joining us thanks. for thank another you, edition Mr. of Felber. Outside the Actors Studio. You thank guys, you, Betsy. Was incredibly it was fun. Thank you for having me. Have a great night. Don't catch COVID. Don't catch the clap. Don't catch anything. We're going to try to not catch anything, but we're glad we caught you. You were fantastic. Thanks, Thanks so you much. Thanks, you guys. Have Thank a great night. Thanks Bye-bye. for having me. Bye. I'm Bye. crying. I'm crying. Don't stop crying. I, mean, I got to do our coming up. She's fantastic. Coming up, quotations. Maybe. Dorothy L. Sayers said, I always have a quotation for everything. It saves original thinking. We delve into our favorite quotes. Maybe. It's been a long show. That's coming up, perhaps, right after this. Fun fact, 
the Eiffel Tower is 15 centimeters shorter in the wintertime because of the cold. Or at least that's its story. We're back, and you know what, Paula? That segment with Betsy was so long and so fantastic that I think we're just plumb out of time in terms of uh, our quotation segment. All right, we'll we'll bring our quotations next week. Oh yeah, they'll keep. They, they've kept for hundreds of years. Um, all I'm right, crying so Paula, still, by the way. I'm crying from having Betsy Brant on. It was amazing, and uh, she you was guys, really fun. Your work together was like real. It was a real acting workshop. Oh, man, I can't wait till we have our own show. She's Betsy. I'm Paula. She's Betsy. I'm Paula. Oh, my God. The Betsy and Paula show. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, Paula, what's going on in the Poundstone product empire this week? Well, Adam, Poundstone Industries is teeming with activity. With Valentine's Day coming up, I've had to hire two more imaginary friends to keep it running smoothly. Listeners, you can go to the store at PaulaPoundstone.com to find the gift to make your special someone happy this Valentine's Day. I can also make a video message for you for the occasion. Go to Cameo.com slash PaulaP33. I would tell you more about it, but I've been muzzled by a listener named (laughs) Heidi who has complained that there are too many plugs on the show. So fine, Heidi. Well, Heidi, you'll be pleased to know that I've got nothing to plug this week. I hope you all enjoyed my Super Bowl simulcast. Um, And I I am here to plug the fact that I will have something very exciting to plug in a week or so. But until then, I got nothing else. So I'm on the edge of my seat. (laughs) Yeah, you you, you should be, Paula Poundstone. Subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You'll get it every week at no charge. If you want to send us some mail... Well, you can do that at nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. <laughs> Once again, that's nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. And that is our show. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam Leifelber. Special thanks to our guest, Betsy Brandt. Yay! Oh my Lord. Yay! And to our beloved uh, house band Kevin Kelso. Yay! We love you too, man. Yay! Write us a song anytime. Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Tony Anita Hull. Mixing by Michael Hoagie. Starburns production by Land Romo. Transcription services for the show provided by Transcribe Me, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? It's Paula and Betsy. They're cops. They work together. It's Paula and Betsy. They're cops in every weather. She's Betsy. I'm Paula. We're out there fighting crime. She's Betsy. I'm Paula with every single rhyme. It's Betsy and Paula. There's no way they can be wrong. It's Paula and Betsy, and this is their theme song. You know what I'm weird? I'm really worried that the demand for the pets, the, the demand for the Betsy and Paula buddy cop show, show. Yeah. The, the Betsy and Paula show. Oh my God, yeah. that's that, it's, that's it's gonna be uh, huge. That's a roller Especially, derby team right there, Betsy and Paula. 
especially as Petsy and Bala, because then it's a show about somebody who, like, runs a pet store and somebody who plays in the WNBA. Yeah, Petsy and Bala. Um, yeah, no, I just think that the demand for the Buddy Cop show with Betsy Brandt and Paul Poundstone is going to be overwhelming. I, I pity the networks that are going to have to field those emails. I pity the colleges that are going to lose Betsy Brandt's money. Starbanks <laughs> <laughs> Avenue, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.